Every year at this time, I get lots and lots of questions about the behavior of Christians in the culture. What is okay for a Christian to do? What is not okay for a Christian to do? The Bible's very explicit on certain behaviors, and we know what will be honoring to God because he declares what those things are in his word. But there are other things that are not specifically mentioned in the Bible. In fact, lots of things that are not mentioned in the Bible. And so we want to go back to 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful, Paul wrote, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. We're going to talk about this today. You have found the Heidi St. John podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. I'm really enjoying reading your comments over at Spotify. And so for those of you who are participating in the polls that are there, thank you for doing that. It's a lot of fun for us to, even when you disagree, it's a lot of fun for us to see you interacting and uh, we're publishing those comments for other people to read. And so if you'd like to participate in the polls, head on over to Spotify. You can leave comments there. Also, we really love for you to leave reviews for the show over at iTunes and let other people know what you think about it and whether or not this has been a good thing for your family. And we'd love to see those reviews published as well. Well, I am gonna be answering listener questions today. Normally I do that on Mailbox Monday. But uh, this week, my friend, Dr. Mark Sherwood joined me, which by the way, as promised, we are getting lots of fiery responses from people regarding Dr. Mark's opinion on circumcision. I think it's really interesting to note, and, and it's important. These are important conversations to be had, but we need to be respectful. We need to listen to one another. And, uh, and I told him, I said, you're going to, you know, you're going to jump into some pretty deep water here because the anti-circumcision crowd is pretty, uh, fired up <laughs> all the time. That's what I've noticed. And so, uh, I was actually thankful that he was willing to answer that question and thankful for the listener who wrote in to ask the question. We want to be able to have respectful dialogue and talk about things that may or may not be, uh, uh, you know, real easy to discuss, or we might have differing opinions. And so I'm thankful for those of you who are continuing to write in. If you'd like to weigh in on this discussion, or you have a different question for me, you can find me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. I'm going to start off with a question that came from Carissa in Kansas. So Carissa, thank you so much for writing into me. I'm going to read her question. She's asking about whether or not I think that dream catchers are evil. She said, recently you talked about yoga and I'm curious if you have any information on dream catchers. Our adopted children's grandparents have one hanging in the bedroom that they sleep in whenever they're over there. And I'm scared now to let them sleep over. They were asked by one of my children to remove it, and instead of doing that, as we asked, they proceeded to explain why it was good to have it hanging above them while they slept. I think it's evil, but I don't have any knowledge basis for thinking that. Thank you. All right, so this is a great question. I'm going to discuss it. Also, it's kind of in the same vein uh, as another question that came in from Julia in Virginia. She's wanting to know if playing cards are a sin. She says she's grown up in the church and her family taught that playing cards 
was a sinful behavior. I never questioned it. But now being in a different church and culture, my son plays cards with his Christian friends. My mom is mad because we're allowing it. And we can't seem to find information that it's actually a sin if it's not played as gambling. How better to address it biblically? Well, both of these questions can go back to Paul's admonition to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful, he wrote, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And we are free as believers to display uh, any kind of, you know, wall hanging that we want to, including sculptures and that kind of things. But what we want to do is be careful not to disobey or even to dishonor God. So is having a dream catcher a sin? Let's, let's start there. Does the Bible say anything specific about dream catchers? And the short answer is no. Dream catchers have long been a part of Native American culture. I am from the Pacific Northwest. We have many, many Native American tribes here. It's not unusual to see dream catchers, you know, hanging from rearview mirrors and things like that. Uh, dream catchers are webbed and beaded circles, which have feathers on them, and people like to hang them uh, at the base of their beds. And the purpose, as the name implies, is to sort of catch the dreams or to trap bad or evil dreams and channel good dreams to the sleeper. Dream catchers are usually placed in a window or above a bed, allowing the good dreams to drip down the feathers onto the sleeper below. Now, frankly, I think this is super weird and I don't, uh, I, you know, anything that has to do with the spirit world that's not explicitly, you know, uh, the, in the life of a believer, in other words, we should be meditating on the word of God. We should be praying to the to the one true God. We want to be very, very careful. And I think knowing the background of dream catchers is really important, especially for the believer. A passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul is speaking to a very, very pagan culture, which is basically rooted in superstition, and the church was having a hard time, right? If you look into the church of Corinth at that time, that church struggled greatly with the culture. They were trying to assimilate into the culture rather than set, be set apart from the culture and live lives that are holy, or in other words, set apart. And so as a result, the church was absolutely steeped in sexual sin. And Paul uh, exhorted them over and over again about it. But then he also had to go by and say, hey, there's a weaker brother thing. Some Christians felt like eating sacrificed meat was endorsing the sacrifice and therefore uh, it was inappropriate for them. And others believe since they weren't worshiping the idols themselves, it wasn't wrong. So this was Paul's guidance. And I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verses 5 to 7. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many, quote, gods and many, quote, lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things are and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possesses this knowledge. In other words, not everybody understands this. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. So first of all, Paul is addressing the issue of uh gods. He calls them so-called gods. Some of them were outright fake. Some of them were manifest manifestations of demons, but none of them were true gods. He goes on to say there is only one God. And as believers, we believe that. Uh, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that there is only one Lord, that's Jesus Christ, and that is who we follow. And so this is a powerful and a clear affirmation 
of the essential quality of God the Father and God the Son, two parts of the Godhead, the Trinity. Notice that he says uh, the conscience of some newer converts were still accusing them strongly with regard to allowing them to eat idol food without feeling spiritually corrupted or guilty. They imagined that idols were real and evil. So a defiled conscience, which is what Paul is talking about here, is one that has been violated. And, and when you violate your conscience, what comes with that violation? It brings it brings shame and it brings guilt, this feeling of fear and condemnation. And he's saying, you can avoid that. If you feel like, hey, this is not what I'm supposed to do, don't defile your conscience, don't do that. The same thing can be said of uh, dream catchers. The Christian understands that false gods are nothing and that a dream catcher has no power in and of itself. But the believer in Christ, and I love this from gotquestions.org, I'll link back to it in the show notes today, the believer in Christ could easily see a dream catcher as nothing more than a craft or cultural expression. However, before he buys a dream catcher and hangs it in the window, he should consider other people's reactions to it. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate in the passage that I just read to you. Will someone assume the one in possession of the dream catcher approves of Indian religions? Keeping a dream catcher is a matter of conscience. And as long as it is not used as a good luck charm, it is innocent enough. But consideration must be given to those we seek to minister to. Now, if this was my kids and they were you know, going over to their grandparents' house and their grandparent had the dream catcher hanging above their bed because they thought they were catching dreams in it, that would bother me. I would be like, listen, we don't actually believe that's true, but you have to understand that that relic, that that um, that that so-called you know dream catcher, has absolutely no power in and of itself. So you don't need to be worried about it. This is something I would probably communicate to my parents or whoever it is that that you were talking about. A recent study reveals that 33% of college students prefer to live in a socialist system of government rather than a capitalist one. We clearly need a course that challenges today's high school students to think about whether the founding ideals of this country are worth preserving and then inspires them to act upon their conclusion. Introducing American Civics, a 30-week high school course written by gifted constitutional attorney Michael Ferris. In American Civics, Mr. Ferris will guide your student to a deeper understanding of America's founding principles the mechanics of government and lawmaking, and the Constitution that makes our system of government possible. If you want to help preserve freedom in America, enroll your student in this 30-week, full-credit, self-directed course at lumen.com and use the coupon code HEIDI for 10% off today. That's L-U-M-I-N-N.com. Also, to go back to uh, the second question that came from Julia in Virginia, it's interesting that you would mention uh, playing cards because my mom, you know, her, she was raised in the 40s and her parents told her that playing cards was a sin. But we grew up playing cards when I was when I was a kid and we never thought twice about it. This is an issue of Christian liberty. This is an issue of conscience. If your conscience is bothered by it, then you need to ask the Lord why. 
And I think sometimes we can really go overboard. Someone wrote into me a couple of days ago and wanted to know about a Ouija board. You know, they're selling them in Walmart now, right? But the thing is, Ouija boards are absolutely connected to the demon world, absolutely connected to spirituality. Never, the Bible says, have anything to do with uh, the wicked deeds of darkness. And a Ouija board falls into that category. I don't think playing cards falls into the same category. They're certainly not created with that purpose in mind. So you're not going to see Heidi say, St. John with a dream catcher hanging from my rear view mirror, or certainly not one up in my home, because I understand the spiritual implications of the dream catcher, and I don't want to send a message to somebody else who might be uh, weaker in their faith, or younger, rather, in their faith than me, that I somehow think that the dream catcher has any sort of power or any sort of spiritual authority. It absolutely doesn't. And so for that reason, I don't want to lead anyone else astray. It's not that I'm worried about the dream catcher. Uh, I don't think it has any any real power because I don't believe in the gods that the dream catcher would be inviting. But it's different when you're talking about a Ouija board. It's different when you're talking about yoga. Uh, I've continued because you guys are awesome and people keep sending me things about yoga and the poses of yoga. So many things that I did not understand when I was practicing yoga many years ago. And once you know, I mean, to me, this is like, you know, the very first time that you ever see uh, a picture of a baby in utero, an unborn baby, you can't unsee that, right? We know that that is a human being, a fully formed human being made in the image of God, 10 fingers, 10 toes, a heart that is beating, um, legs that are kicking. You know, I've been pregnant many times and it's amazing. You can feel a hiccup happening uh, when your baby has a hiccup or um, it's just remarkable and you can't unsee that. And once you've seen the, the reality of life inside the womb, then the idea of taking that that innocent human life becomes unimaginable, it's um, unthinkable. And when you understand the dangers of the yoga poses as they are intended, then practicing yoga for the believer really should be something that becomes unthinkable. We don't wanna participate in the evil deeds of darkness. And uh, yoga is really an extension of Hinduism. It's something that I spoke about, I think I, I told you guys last week on the show, was on my Instagram uh, page, I put up a display, a video that another woman took of a display from Home Depot. And I don't know like who's buying the, the Halloween decorations at Home Depot, but they're particularly disgusting this year. Very scary, very demonic. And, you know, people are asking me, you know, do we should we participate in this? Well, I can tell you, I, I used to participate in Halloween. It was innocent fun as far as we were concerned. But as I've gotten older, it really is bothering my conscience. We need to be sensitive to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And if, you know, looking at the Grim Reaper or looking at statues of little kids holding dead babies in their arms, uh, doesn't bother your conscience, I gotta wonder what's wrong with your conscience <laughs> because this is obviously clearly evil. Uh, another listener wrote in to ask me what I thought about churches um, substituting you know, the traditional Halloween parties for something they call trunk or treat. Well, that just, to me, it's a little bit too close to the real thing. That sounds like trick-or-treating. And as I said, you know, I have moved more away fr from that as I've gotten older. And maybe it's because I've, I've, I'm seeing more of um, just the work of the demonic in the culture right now. I was just 
in Spokane over the weekend. I got to speak for We Believe We Vote with my friend Rick Green, which was a hoot and holler and good time. Anytime uh, I get to hang out with with uh, Rick, it's always fun. But I saw it. I mean, you guys, I don't know how many of you listening to this live in Spokane, but Spokane has a spiritual problem from sunup to sundown. I saw people openly promoting witchcraft. I went into a, a coffee shop and there were posters on the wall you know, of things that are happening in Spokane, teaching people how to communicate with the dead and all this stuff. And people can say, oh, well, that's uh, it's just because it's October. Well, I reject that we have to put this emphasis on uh participating in things we know to be wrong just because it's October and people are celebrating Halloween. It's the same thing with the month of June being hijacked by a wicked ideology that declares what we know to be wrong to be right. And so I, I'm thinking, you know, we, we talk about this, but not enough, I think, in the church. You know, we, we want there to be a change in the culture, right? We're, we're wanting... Um, what the Apostle Paul said is though the Lord was making his appeal through us, come back to me, says the Lord, come back to me. The Bible says that the world is groaning under the weight of sin. We know that the nation who God is the Lord is a nation who's blessed and our nation is careening into darkness. The Bible teaches us that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And so we need to have our own lives in order, our own houses in order. What are the things that we are listening to on television? What are the things that we are participating in as believers and do they honor God? And that is the bottom line question. So do I think that you know playing cards is dishonoring to God? No, I don't. Do I think hanging a dream catcher above my bed is dishonoring to God? Yes, I do. I think it's dishonoring to God because I don't want someone to look at that and think, oh, Heidi St. John believes in the power of a dream catcher when I absolutely don't because I know based on what the Bible teaches me, that there is uh, only one God, and that is who I serve. That is who we serve. So Paul's guidance in 1 Corinthians 8 is a really important one for us to remember. All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. In other words, uh, it might fall under grace, right? We're, in a, we're, we're living under grace right now, not under the law, but we want to honor God in everything that we do. And so I appreciate the questions that are coming in and I'm gonna end with this. You know, keeping a dream catcher in your home is gonna be a matter of conscience. And so we don't wanna defile our conscience and you'll know that you've defiled your conscience if the thing that you're participating in is bringing guilt or shame or fear into your life. Uh, as long as uh, we're not straying outside of what we know to be true, we have Christian liberty. And that is why I have said for many years, uh, I think the conversations are important to have. I think we need to allow room for our brothers and sisters in the Lord to change their mind. You know, the Greek word for repentance uh, is metanoia. It means I change my mind. I turn around. I'm going to go a different direction. This is what happened to me when I realized, hey, this doesn't honor God, this practice of yoga in my life. It's what I, uh, I told my daughter, my youngest daughter the other day, because um, she really wants to go trick-or-treating. And, and uh, I asked her, I said, if, if, if the Bible says that we're to have nothing to do with evil, how would you describe Halloween? I mean, really ask your kids these questions. These are important questions to have, uh, important questions to, to ask and important discussions to have. These are not reasons to yell and scream at each other, 
But if we want to see the blessing of God in our life, and the Bible says that we are to have nothing to do with darkness, surely the practice of Halloween falls into that category. Surely um, participating in yoga, which you know the, the word yoga literally means to yoke, like you're yoking your spirit with these other spirits. The Hindus believe in multiple gods, like a plurality of gods, and you're literally inviting them into your life when you participate in the practice of yoga. I'm not talking about individual um, uh, stretches and that kind of thing, and I'm not gonna go into it because I've already belabored the point of this, this month already. But we need to be asking the Lord for wisdom. We need discernment, we need wisdom, and we need uh, we need to, to honor God. If we wanna see systemic change happen in the culture, it's going to start with the church. And the question will always be, are we going to honor God in the quiet places of our hearts where no one else is watching? Are we paying attention to that still small voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit? Some of you have very strong beliefs that alcohol is wrong. I don't fall into that category. I believe the Bible says drunkenness is the sin, not alcohol. But if you can't have a glass of alcohol or a glass of wine without taking it to the nth degree and becoming drunk, then for you, that would be sin. So God God is trying to get our attention to work our way through, to wrestle these things through. And I think we need to be doing that uh, as believers. We've got huge issues in the culture right now. And a lot of these issues are stemming from the fact that we have a very um, undiscerning church. We're living in a time of incredible deception in the culture and a generation of biblically illiterate Christians who don't know God's word and can't defend it. And the answers that we're looking for, men and women, are in the word of God. And so there are things, there are areas in which we have Christian liberty, areas in which we will disagree with one another. And I'm gonna exhort you again, um, leave room for the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of people with which we disagree. Now, there are areas that I would say, nope, no room for that. Uh, the, the issue of gender is one of those. Uh, salvation is an issue where there really is, and according to the Bible, there is absolutely should be no disagreement among Christians as to what it means to be saved and how we become born again. Um, and there should be no debate, I think, uh, among Bible-believing Christians on issues of life, such as abortion. These are egregious things in the sight of the Lord. And as I've gotten older, I've come to, I've changed my mind. And I think that is, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this process of becoming more like Jesus, allowing ourselves to take an honest look at our hearts and an honest look at the Bible and say, God, show me, is there anything in my life that's not bringing you glory? And if it is, help me turn away from that so that my life honors you in every aspect. And we want to live that way, men and women. We want to live a set-apart life. And the month of October, just like the month of June, is a great opportunity for some self-reflection among God's people. Are we living a life that is pleasing God in every area of our lives? The Bible says blessing is found when we stay inside the boundaries that God has set for us. We are to live a set-apart life. Our lives should look different. The question is today, do they look different? And if not, why not?
I appreciate you guys sending questions in to me. You can reach me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. You can also leave comments over at iTunes. We see those and you can participate in polls and leave comments uh, at the new interactive site over at Spotify. So just find the, uh, the topic that you're looking for, find that podcast and click on audience interaction. And there's lots of really new fun ways for you guys to interact directly with me. I'm going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska this weekend for the Nebraska Families for Homeschooling Conference. If you're anywhere near Lincoln, hope you guys will come on out and say hello. My husband Jay and I will be speaking together this weekend, which is something we don't often do. So we're really looking forward to that. So come out and say hello to me. I would love to see you. Also, we've got a treat coming up for you here at Firmly Planted Family. Mission Strong, setting the course for the next generation, will be uh, taking place right here at Firmly Planted Planted Family on October the 18th. The keynote speaker for that is my dear friend, Andrew Pudawa. I can't wait for you guys to come out and meet him and say hello in the Vancouver area. I will link back to registration. This is a free event. I'll link back to that in the show notes today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And I will see you right back here next time at the intersection of faith and culture.